Hey everybody, this is Pastor Todd, and you're listening to the Grace Community Church Sermon Podcast. Well, I have been uh, half dreading, half excited to come to this sermon today. I uh, wrote it earlier today. My whole routine is thrown off in the midst of, uh, you know, doing exclusively virtual services. Usually I write the sermon on Friday and I have, you know, Friday evening and Saturday to kind of forget about it and just let it percolate in my heart. But these days I write it and highlight it and preach it in the same day. And I found myself today um, really weighed down by, um, to me, what feels like the enormity of this sermon. And I just acknowledge that it's a little risky to say that off the top. I haven't even preached it yet after all. But, uh, oh man, did it ever uh, weigh on me this afternoon. So if you've been praying for me, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And it's my hope today that uh, you experience the life of God in a really profound way as we work our way through Exodus chapter four. Before I do that though, you get a little bit of a um, extra special giving back part two. So glad that uh, Pastor Steve popped in to see me. I hope you enjoyed that visit. And thank you for uh, supporting the work that he does here in our church. We had one other story to tell you, still kind of uh, bringing through the last Christmas stories that uh, we were able to be part of um, as a church. Just Right is a team here at Grace that takes the money that we set aside for serving those who are in need in our city, region, country, and world. And they take that money and they make sure that it gets used well and effectively. One of the things I love most about Just Right is that it equips you, God's saints, for the work of the ministry. So they respond to you saying to them that you've identified a need in our city, region, country, or world. So please make sure that you are continuing to be their eyes and ears, letting them know uh, as you see needs arising. Uh, one need that they brought to our attention was uh, worked out through the life and ministry of Bobby Clark. Bobby Clark is a really wonderful, faithful guy who actually serves here at Royal City Mission in the heart of downtown Guelph. And every Christmas, he basically spends Christmas in a Santa suit visiting people in government housing and bringing them little bits of joy, little moments of joy in the midst of what can often be a very hard season. So this year you, <clears throat> through Just Right, partnered with Bobby Clark and uh, you gave him, through Just Right, 10 $50 grocery cards. Now I'm a theologian, not a mathematician, but last time I checked, 10 times 50 is 500. So that's $500 in groceries that you put directly into the hands of people in need here in the city of Guelph through Bobby Clark's ministry here at Royal City mission. We also uh, gave him another 250 bucks just to distribute as needed. And most of those $50 gift cards for grocery stores went to people who don't typically visit grocery stores. And so you brought the light and the love and the joy of Jesus into those people's lives this year. So I just want to give you the respect uh, that comes with doing that kind of good deed. Respect. Props to you. Thank you for making that happen. And thank you, Bobby Clark, for allowing us to partner with you in some small way in the important work that you are doing for Jesus' fame, the joy of his people, and the good of the world. Pretty uh, profound and awesome stuff. We're trying to help you take um, 12 Steps to Freedom this year as we work our way through the book of Exodus. If you've missed any of the sermons in this series, you can find them on our website, gracecommunity.ca front slash listen. Uh, week one, three weeks ago, we took the first step, which is to remember that God's hand is upon you. Two weeks ago, we took the second step, which is to remember that God is involved. I love that sermon. I got so much feedback from you, and many of you have been sharing that particular sermon from Exodus 2 uh, widely. Please continue to do so if you think that it will encourage somebody to hear 
that God hears, God remembers, God sees, and God knows. Last week, we took step three, which is to listen and let it happen. The short form for that step is to keep in mind that God is the action hero. I love that one. He's the action hero. Listen to him and then let it happen. This week, we take step four, which is to let your belief lead you into action. As usual, I found that theme and found every single point I'm going to bring up in the pages of the Bible for our purposes this week in Exodus chapter four. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak and he put it inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I've put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. And Zipporah, Moses' wife, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So God let him alone. It was then that she said a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, 
go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. Strange chapter, right? There's some strange moments in there. I'm not going to really preach about uh, the strange moments, but uh, if they come up in the course of the sermon, I will uh, perhaps pause to mention them. We're taking step four this week, hoping to help you let your belief lead you into action. The thing is, belief is a problem here in Exodus chapter four. What is the central problem of this chapter? The central problem here is that Moses doesn't trust God. You know why I love this? Because Moses is like me and Moses is like you. I would bet serious money on the fact that to some degree, you don't trust God. I know that I don't trust God completely. Just this past week, I found myself in a, entering a season of trouble and uncertainty. And I felt that season buffeting against the trust that I have for God. It's all fun and games to say you trust the Lord until your life takes a turn for the worse and that trust, that faith is tested. So I love here, I, I find it very comforting that Moses is dealing with trust issues. Like him, I'm sure that you have some trust issues. So the question is clear. How do I deal with these trust issues that I have? If you're saying, you got me, preacher, touche, preacher. I have a hard time trusting God. You might even feel justified, right? And, and I wouldn't even argue with you. Look at my life, you'd say. Look at all the bad things that had happened. Where was God when my family fell apart? Where was God when I lost my job? Where was God when my child died? I've just been so struck this week by the weight of the world that people bear. This comes from my work as a pastor. It comes from my observation of the world that we all live in. Of course, it's connected to the difficult times that we are enduring. It's connected to my wife's work as a psychotherapist. She doesn't talk to me about her work in detail, but I can tell when she comes home after a day of helping people work through their problems that the weight of the world is real. The people you know, and perhaps even you watching me today, are dealing with pain, with pressure, with privation, with sorrow that is so heavy, it's all but crushed. Your belief, it's all but destroyed your trust in God. How do I deal with my trust issues? I got four things you can do to deal with your trust issues today. One, you can reckon with your unbelief. Two, you can stop it with the excuses. Three, you can get right to it. And four, you can make sure that you don't go it alone. Doing those four things will help you take step four on your path to freedom. Doing those four things will help you let your belief lead you into action. You could uh, call this sermon, How to Get Busy Living. Because that's what happens, right? When you struggle with trust, you tend to freeze like a scared animal. And when you freeze, you tend not to do too many things. And if you know anything about inertia, you know it's insidious and very tough 
to break out of. So uh, I'm here to help you get busy living today. Okay, so you want to let your belief lead you into action. To do that, first thing you're going to need to do is reckon with your unbelief. Okay, notice all the unbelief on display in verses 1 through 9. Verse 1, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Verse 5, that they may believe. Verse 8, if they will not believe you. Verse 8, part B, they may believe the latter sign. Verse 9, if they will not believe even these two signs. <sighs> Belief is clearly an issue here. Somebody ought to say, thank God. Why thank God? Because <laughs> you're not the only one. This is Moses we're talking about here. Okay? The most famous character in the Old Testament. Okay? The person who wrote the stories that came to be collected and passed down as the Jewish scriptures. A man who was a friend of God, who stood on Mount Sinai and saw God walk right in front of him. Remember that story? God said, I'll put my hand over you. <laughs> Let my glory pass in front of you. Caught a glimpse of the back of God's head. Okay, so just take some hope. If a man like that can struggle with belief, is it any wonder that you and I do too? So let me just invite you to just breathe away all the condemnation that you have been walking with for years because you feel like a crappy Christian. Just, just let it go. <sighs> okay, your performance is not really what matters here. Okay, your ability to believe, to white-knuckle your way through to satisfactory belief is really not important at all. So reckon with your unbelief. Maybe admit it. It'd be terrible to struggle with unbelief but not admit it. <laughs> to be unbelieving and self-deluded. <laughs> That's a double whammy. Okay, so stop it. Just admit it. Reckon with your unbelief. Let me tell you, the only reason why I still believe is because I have experienced. I mean, somebody shout in this house. We're starting to have these conversations in my house around the dinner table as my children grow into young adults who are now beginning to wrestle with whether they believe the faith of their father and their mother for themselves. I'd love for you to sit in on some of the conversations we have over spaghetti and meatballs. Is this really true? Do you really believe this, Dad? How do we know if it's true? It's so fun for me as a preacher who knows a thing or two about the things of God to be able to help them navigate those murky waters. I keep telling them, you know why I believe? I, I'll receive it. I believe because I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I quote Psalm 34 to my children. Yes, I do. No one comes to faith until they experience the life of God in a real way. So look, stop white-knuckling your way to faith. Okay, just ask God for an experience. Stop trying to pressure your children or your loved ones to faith. Instead, beseech the Lord to give them an experience. Somebody say amen. That's what you need. You need to experience the life of God for yourself. I believe because I experience. I've walked long enough with the Lord now to know that there is no other way to walk. I've lived long enough now in faith to know that there is literally no other way I would want to live. 
And I've learned this through seasons of ups and profound downs, through seasons of plenty and profound scarcity. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you're struggling with unbelief today, I want to invite you to admit it and then to ask for an experience. Show me your glory, Lord. Okay, the Bible is full of characters struggling with unbelief. Really without hope until God in his mercy shows up. So if that's you, you're not alone. You're not the only one. It doesn't make you a bad person. Admit your unbelief and then ask God to show up. Then stop it with the excuses. Okay, once he shows up, stop it with the excuses. Look at Moses' excuses here in verses 10 and 13. But, anytime a but shows up in the Bible, you're like, oh no, here we go. But Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And then in verse 13, but he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. You know what Moses is saying here? I can't do it. Again, somebody receive it today. If you ever felt like you couldn't do it, you're not just in good company. You're in the best company there. I mean, other than Jesus, you're in like the best company there is. This is Moses we're talking about here. Who's encountering God in the flesh. And he's saying to the God of the universe, I can't do it. But Moses said, oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent. You know what's really frightening about verse 10? This should encourage you though. He says, I've never been eloquent, nor am I eloquent now that I've met you. Think about that for a second. I just told you that you need to experience God for yourself. So let's not become crazy people who think that when you do experience God, everything's gonna change because clearly here in the very same text, Moses sees God, talks to God, and then says, either he's being honest or audacious or stupid, I don't know, I'll ask him someday. I'm not eloquent, I never have been, and even now that I've seen you face to face, I'm still not there. Sobering, freeing. Oh. <laughs> you don't have to be a superhero. Right? You follow the Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. You don't have to take the throne. Let him sit on it. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank God. But he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. I can't do it. Okay. Oh, I love this sermon. Thank God. It's working. Thank you for praying for me. All right. So if you feel disqualified, <laughs> this is the part of my sermon that made me cry when I wrote it. So if you feel disqualified, let's do two things. Ready? First, this will be fun. Let's count the ways. Okay? So maybe you're watching this on Sunday. Watch it again by yourself on Wednesday. You know you need to send this sermon to someone, by the way. I'm just saying. I'm on to you. So make sure you forward it this week, okay? <laughs> Grab a piece of paper and write down all the ways in which you're disqualified. From what? From being God's friend, from being a giant of the faith, from being a believer, from being fit for ministry. I mean, <laughs> pick your disqualification. I'm sure you qualify to be disqualified. How do I know? Because I do. I do. This is one of the great fallacies of modern organized Christianity that somehow we think that Christians are the perfect people who never do anything wrong. When the opposite is true, 
Christian people are people who've recognized their abject need of God and have fallen on their knees before the Savior to ask for help because they've realized that they can't help themselves. So let me count the ways, okay? So do some honest confession this week. Maybe write it down. I was thinking if we were still alive, I'd have you write it down, bring it back next week, and I'd burn it right in front of you. But you could do that yourself. Okay? Write down that list of disqualifications. That's the first step. And you're going to love the second step. So let's remember all the ways in which we're disqualified. And then let us remember Jesus. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> Receive it. Let us remember Jesus. Jesus, we welcome you in this house even now. We welcome you into every room where each person is watching. Beautiful Jesus, powerful Jesus, wonderful Jesus. Whose death and resurrection qualify us to be friends of God. You're qualified in Jesus. And if you're watching me right now and you have a knot in your stomach and you feel like you're left out, I would not be a very good gospel preacher if I didn't give you a chance to come to Jesus right now. So if you, no, I don't need to convince you. I'm not even going to say anymore. You know that that's you. This is your moment. Do it right now. Come to Jesus. Pray with me, Jesus. You got me. I've realized in this moment that I need you. I'm admitting that I can't fix my life. I've tried almost everything else. So would you now help me? Forgive me of my sins. Adopt me into your family. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Would you begin changing everything in my life? Amen. If you just prayed that with me, welcome to the family of God, my friend. You are now <laughs> qualified. <laughs> Somebody shout in this house, right? You're qualified now because of Jesus, the Son of God made flesh, who lived and died and rose again for you and for your salvation. Hallelujah. Count the ways and then count on Jesus. And then, my friends, uh, I suggest you get right to it. Get right to it. Get this out of verses uh, 12 and 19. Now, therefore, go, God says to Moses, and I will be with you. I'll be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you should speak. And then in verse 19, and the Lord said to Moses in Midian, in Midian, where he was still living with Jethro, go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. I just want to point out that Moses is dilly-dallying. Okay, in verse 12, God says, go to Egypt. So when Moses finishes this sequence with God, he goes right to his father-in-law Jethro, asks him in verse 18, um, look, I need to go home to Egypt to see if my family's still alive. And Jethro says to him, what? Go in peace. So that's verse 18 in direct response to God's command in verse 12, which makes verse 19 a little bit weird that God has to show up again after he already told him to go in verse 12. He shows up again in verse 19 and says, go to Egypt. 
All the men who were looking to kill you are dead. Okay, I want to point out that Moses was dilly-dallying. He did not go right away to Egypt. He did not obey immediately. He's hanging out in Midian. Anyone who ever tried to leave normal, say amen. Anyone who ever tried to do anything difficult, say touche preacher. Right, that's me. You, you got me. Guilty as charged. Okay, let's, let's admit it. Change is hard. Leaving what you know to go to something new, very difficult. So again, I want you to not walk in condemnation. Give yourself a little bit of slack. If Moses, the hero of the Old Testament, struggled with dilly-dallying, it's only natural that you might too. But let's learn a lesson from his lesson. Okay, once God has stepped in and spoken to you and it's become clear to you what you need to do, most of the time I'm convinced that most people know what God is calling them to do. They just don't want to do it. Because they know it'll ruin their life. Because obeying God in something radical will typically ruin you for normality. It's like having kids. People always ask, what's it like to have kids? I always say, it's like you get a whole new life. They're like, oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, except your old life gets destroyed. Like crushed, destroyed, burnt up and thrown away. The life that you used to have pre-kids is gone. But you gain a whole new life on the other side of it. The thing is, you don't gain the one until you lose the other. All right, so if you've been delaying, maybe today is your day to stop. If you want your belief to lead you into action, get right to it. Since you're going to be doing some diary work anyway to write down all the reasons you're disqualified before you remember that Jesus has qualified you, maybe on the flip side of that sheet of paper, write down this week all the things that are stopping you. Aren't you glad you tuned in today? What are all the things that are stopping you from doing what God's calling you to do? I could, I could list like four things right now that are stopping me from doing what God is calling me to do. What's stopping you? Write them down. And then in faith, oh, I love this. I didn't write this, it just came to me right now. Write them down and then in faith, cross them out. Somebody shout. Okay, in faith, cross them out. Those things that are stopping you from doing what God is calling you to do. Cross them out and say amen as you do it. And then start acting. Here's my pastoral advice for you today. Do something, do something. Okay, admittedly, I have a bias in this area. Admittedly, I'm an action person, okay, but I'm convinced that that's the right way to live. So you're gonna have to argue with me long and loud if you think it's better to just sit on a lump and do nothing, okay? Do, do something, but what if it's the wrong something? Listen, once you're in motion, you can course correct. If you're trying to steer a car that's sitting in your driveway, doesn't work, why? Because you're not moving. Do something. Why? Because action begets more action. In fact, you could say it this way, action begets reaction. And often it's not until you put yourself out there and take that first step in faith that God rushes in to quote my dad into the room you make for him and you begin to see the first signs of abundant life showing up. If you're wondering why nothing is happening, it's because you're not doing anything. Do something, get right to it. Then finally, I love this point. Don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. 
I get this as we wind our way to the close out of verses 27 through 31. The Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel, all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel, that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. I just want to point out how beautiful it is that God sends Aaron to help Moses. Two by two is a biblical principle. Going together is a biblical principle. It's a big idea from the story of God and his people. How do I know? Because I know that it is not good that the man should be alone. Behold, I will make him a helper fit for him. Or if you translate it from the Hebrew, I will make him a helper that can stand face to face and go toe to toe with him. Genesis 2, 18. Friend, God did not leave Adam alone in the garden, but he gave him his best friend Eve to be his partner. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Ecclesiastes 4.12. I heard a great preacher one time say that he felt like the threefold cord signified a partnership, a couple, and the Holy Spirit involved with them. God, receive it. God did not make you for alone. God made you for together. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Luke 10, 1. If you interpret that allegorically, God's about to show up, but he wants to send you and your friends first. Whoa. <laughs> That'll preach good. That'll preach good. Okay, the kingdom of God coming into the world depends on the degree to which we exercise togetherness. Somebody shout. You're not made for alone. You are made for together. Life is not meant to be done alone. Is this or is this not the most insidious and difficult thing about living in COVID times? Are you not just dying to see people again? You're going to be hugging every person you see. It's going to be party after party after party after party. Eventually, sometime in 2024, we're going to be sick of it. Like, okay, enough partying for 18 months straight already. But right now, I'd give anything to have all of you into my backyard for a barbecue. I'd give anything to see all of you in this room here worshiping Jesus with me and responding to me now as I preach the oracles of God. I'd give anything for us to be together right now. I feel like my soul is being crushed by the aloneness of this season. And I have a wife and four kids filling my house. I mean, it's ring the alarm. Okay, your soul, you're feeling disconnected because you are. So you need to do everything you can to reach out and not be alone in this season. I know you're sick of Zoom, but you need to come see me at 11 a.m. this morning, me and my wife in our living room on Zoom. 
We had 15 people last week. I was like, why is it not 150? We had 25 people the week before. Where were you? I missed you. Amen. Okay, come see me. I know it's through a screen, but let's be together. Why is together better than alone? Because God himself is not alone. He reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect perichoretic relationship, to borrow a theological term. Okay, God is not alone in his godness. He did not make us to be alone. I already told you that God gave our first father, Adam, our first mother, Eve, so that they would be together. He did not call you alone. It is no mistake that God refers to his people as the people of God. Western Christianity has overemphasized personal salvation to its detriment. Last time I checked, the Bible is full of stories of God calling to himself a people, and he did not leave his people alone. This is the great beauty of the story of Christmas and the incarnation of God in Christ, that God stepped in. He did, somebody shout, he did not leave us alone. And I'm here to tell you with great joy, I haven't visited the book of Revelation in a while, but here I go today because I want to drive the point home that it is not your destiny to be alone. In fact, it is your destiny to never be alone if the words of Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 through 17 are to be believed. After this I looked and behold, receive it, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders, the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying amen blessing and honor and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and power and might be to our God forever and ever amen then one of the elders addressed me saying who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come I said to him sir you know and he said to me these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes I mean hallelujah 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 whoa that that worked for you worked great for me that is a picture of your destiny with that in mind absolutely refuse to go it alone The world will tell you to trust yourself. You say back to the world, I will trust in the Godhead three in one. The world will tell you that you are the answer to all your problems. You say right back to them, not so. I will find the answer in the answer who is Jesus. The world will tell you that you cannot depend on anyone but yourself. You answer back to them, not so. I depend on the body of Christ, for I am the hand, and my friend is the foot, and my sister is the mouth, and my father is the ear, and my mother is the nose, and my son is the knee, and my daughter is the foot, and we are together. We are together. 
Though you may feel alone in this season, you have never been alone. God himself is your friend. God himself is with you. The spirit of the living God that is moving through me even now as I preach is moving in you as you sit and as you listen. And as you step out into the world this week, God goes with you. And the day will come when gathered together with God's people in this house, filled to the rafters, you will look back on this season in the valley and you will say to this season in the valley that it did not crush you. Why? Because God was with you. My friend, you have a very bright future ahead of you. I want to urge you to begin expecting good things. And to persist in living a lifestyle of thanksgiving and of worship. Why? Because of verse 31. Here's what happens in verse 31 as I close this sermon. Right out of the Bible itself, I hope the symmetry shocks you. And the people, here it is, believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Belief and Worship, belief, and action. If you want to be free, take step number four and let your belief lead you into action. And somebody said, (laughs) amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. I hope you're leaving feeling encouraged. If you have any questions for us or you'd like to pay us a visit, you can find all the info you need on our website, gracecommunity.ca.